All right, guys, what I'd like you to do is I'd like to turn for you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14. And remember, we are going through the Gospel of John. And so we're in what I would describe as the third major section of John. It starts with chapter 13, goes up to chapter 17. It's, it's known as the Upper Room Discourses. It's, it's really what happened in a few short hours on the Thursday night, on the night in which he was betrayed. I think it's a significant portion of Scripture, a significant portion of John's Gospel that he wanted us to understand because really it's 25% of this Gospel that we're looking at and it's only over a few short hours. And the reason why I think he wants us to know is because there's such important information that he's trying to give to those disciples that he's trying to give to you and I because he's telling them, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. And so here's what I want you to do in the meantime. And today we're going to look at what he wants us to focus on in the meantime. We, last week we looked at John 13. I, I think it's the love chapter because there he's expressing that we need to love each other. He expresses that love by really giving honor to, to Judas, by giving him the, the sop, the last piece of bread that was to honor him, even though Judas is going to go out and betray him. He also gives us that commandment that we're to love one another. Now we get into John 14, and he's going to, he's going to kind of help us here, because here's these guys, they've given up everything, they've been following him for three years, they think that they're in Jerusalem to bring it all together to the one thing that they have been looking forward to, and that is Jesus establishing his kingdom right now, bringing about glory. They're going to be with him. And here they are in the upper room having the Passover meal, and Jesus is saying things like, I'm going to die. And one of you is going to betray me. And Peter, by the way, you're going to deny me. And so there's like all of this stuff coming out of nowhere. This is not what they're expecting. He's saying, I'm going to go away and you can't go with me. You won't be able to find me. And, and you're sitting there and you're like, well, you know, I just, I just gave up three years of my life. Where are you going? Well, what's going on here? This is not what... I thought it would be, and so he comes along in chapter 14 and he wants to give them a focus. Something to focus on because he is going to let them know that it isn't going to be easy. Oh, by the way, so let me just stop. So does everybody understand, when you talk about being a follower of Jesus... It isn't anywhere in the New Testament teaching, anywhere in Jesus' instructions, where he says to you, guys, come to Jesus, everything's going to be okay, and it's going to be easy from here on out. He doesn't tell you that. If anything, he kind of tells you that you can expect it not to be easy because you follow me. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to help you keep your focus. Because I'm going to call you to trust me. That's what Jesus is going to tell you. And where do we see that? Well, we see that here in the verse, first 
11 verses of chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles, you can look with me. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11, where he tries to help them, because I'm sure they're shook up. And, and we understand being shook up, right? You and I get shook up by things too. And when we're shook up, we're wondering like, where are you, God? Why is this happening? Have you abandoned me? Those are all human reactions, right? So he's going to get to get them to focus on what they need to focus on because life isn't easy. And especially if he's gone and you don't know when he's coming back. So I want you to notice with me. Here's what he says. I think it's amazing how he starts out, okay? Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord... We do not know where you are going and how, we can, and how can we know the way. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord... Show us the Father. It is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, yet you have not known me, Philip? He who sees me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. All right, so here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to see really Jesus' opportunity to kind of calm them down a little bit. Because again, remember, they're all worked up by this point. Why? Because they've just been told somebody's going to betray him, he's going to die. They've also been told Peter, their fearless leader, is going to deny them three times. It's like, really, is that going to happen? They're all worked up because everything they've been looking forward to, they thought was happening. They just had this triumphant entry. Everybody's saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're like, yeah, we're with him. And guess what? He's saying something completely different they got to be crushed. they got to be worried. What's going on here? Is he going crazy? What's happening? So he starts out first with a promise. Okay, we're going to see that in verses 1 to 4. He's going to work to the reality that there's only one way. There's only, only way. And then we're going to see what it means to know the Father. So let's talk about the promise. Here's what he does. I think it's interesting. After all that stuff that he's going on and all worked up, here's how he begins. Let not your heart be troubled. 
Don't worry yourself. That's what he's saying here. Don't freak out. You ever freaked out about something? When you had all these plans and everything worked out and then the plans just fell apart? You ever freak out? Jesus is coming along. I know you got all these plans, which you thought was going to happen, guys. Don't worry yourself. Don't let your heart be troubled. What's going on here? Jesus calls his disciples not to worry and to trust God. Don't worry. Don't worry about what's coming. You trust me. You trust me. You know what? Can I be honest with you? It is a natural human inclination to worry. Worry comes naturally, doesn't it? You and I worry about the craziest stuff. We worry about big stuff. We worry about insignificant stuff. We worry about if we're going to Walmart because our wife gave us this list and we were told, get this, and you get to that aisle and there's one item left and three people looking at it as you. We're worried about we're not going to be one to get that item, right? We're worried. We worry about big stuff, small stuff, insignificant stuff. Worry is a part of our lives. But guess what? We're not supposed to worry. And we're definitely not supposed to worry about what's going on around us. The stuff that's out of our control. Because he's going away. Don't worry. In fact, you're saying, okay, George, yeah, right. Really? Is that really in the Bible? Yeah. Paul reiterates that word in Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be anxious. You know, anxiety. What's that? Worry. Don't worry. What? Go to him and talk to him. And guess what? In the midst of what you're going through, he'll give you peace. I've experienced that. You've experienced that. Let me tell you what, when I've experienced it, it's only been for the moment. And when he gave me that peace, it wasn't, oh, it's going to be okay now. My problem's going away. No, he gave me peace for the moment. He never told me what would happen later. And oftentimes it didn't turn out the way that I wanted to, but his presence being there with me let me know that I have God in the midst of what's going on. So he's telling his disciples here, look guys, don't worry, don't worry, trust God here. Why? Look with me at verse 2. He's going to make a promise to them. He's going to point something out to them. Look at verse 2. He says this, in my father's house there are many mansions. Let me just stop for a moment. That comes from the old King James. The word there can also be translated dwelling places. Now, I know that takes away from some southern gospel music where you hear about you're going to have a mansion on the street of gold. That's fine if you want to believe that. But in, I think it's cool that I'm going to be in God's house and he's got an apartment for me. I'm going to be with God, right? Okay, so here, here's what he says. So in my father's house, there are many mansions if it were not so i would have told you i go to prepare a place for you he says i'm going to leave you and what i'm going to do is i'm going to get ready to make where you're going to end up great 
awesome. And see, that's the promise. Now, why would that be significant? Because all this stuff they're worried about has to do with right now. Right now. What they were striving for, what they were wanting. And he's coming along and says, look, don't worry, guys. I'm going to get your eyes off of right now and get your eyes onto what's coming. What's down the road. And what's down the road is, is my father's house, this is an awesome place, and you're going to have a place there. And I'm going to prepare that place for you. In fact, where do we see that? Well, if you think about that, here's what I want you to see. So he points out the future and the promise we have with him. That's the future and the promise. You and I have a future and a promise with him. That's what we need to be focused on. Look, folks, the world can collapse around us, and it can happen that way. I'll never, I'll never forget it. So in our first church, when we pastored in Canada, it was in the mid to late 90s. That was when the, the Balkan War situation was going on. The war in Yugoslavia, when that splintered apart, and... There was the whole Kosovo crisis where the Serbians came in and, and uh, invaded Kosovo, which was a part of Serbia at the time, but they drove out the inhabitants there, and, and those people fled as refugees and came to our area. It, it was a tragic thing, and so they even came to, they had them based at the military base near where our church was there, and you read the stories and you hear the stories from them. And there, and there was people like this one young guy, he's an engineer, he's making lots of money. And the next day he's on a boat trying to get out of there. His life was normal and filled with excitement one day. And in one day, out of his control, his whole life collapsed. And now he's a refugee in Canada. He had no control over that. None. You and I, we look at everything that's going on. Let's, let's be honest. How much control do we have? None. We can't even control the rain. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm, we're like, man, man, the grass is getting really brown. And uh, man, it's going to rain. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Look at that storm that's coming. And you know, we're at the point now in life where we have a smartphone and we look at the Doppler. Look at the red. Isn't it awesome? The red that's coming. Because you're thinking downpour. And then it rains for 30 minutes. And it's over. And under the tree, it's dry. What do you do? Grumble and complain. Everything's dry. What do we do? We don't have any control over stuff, do we? No, we don't. But here's what we can control is where our focus is. And our focus needs to be on what's coming and the hope that we have beyond what we can't control. It's the future and the promise that we have with him. And so what is he saying? He's going to prepare a place for us with him. And how awesome will that be? Well, let me describe it to you from Scripture. Look with me, Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 4. Here's what he says. And now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Stop. I think this area is beautiful. You know, I'm from the Carolinas, and I go back home to Columbia. 
And I used to think that Columbia was beautiful. I go back now and I think, man, this area is ugly. Scrub oaks, pine trees, flat, clay, sand. How could I, and swamps, who, how could I ever think that this was beautiful after being up here for all these decades now? It's beautiful here. But I'm going to tell you, as much as I think it's beautiful here, it's all going to be gone. It's all going to be burned up. It's all going to be burned up. Why? I saw the new heaven and the new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And also I saw no more sea. Stop, folks. I know you like going to the beach, but there ain't going to be a beach anymore. No more sea. Why? Because in this scripture, the sea is a place of chaos. No more chaos. Let's go on. Here we go. Verse 2. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he dwell, will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Isn't that awesome? I'm going to prepare that place for you, he says. I'm going to give you a focus. Yes, I'm going away. You're all worried. You're all freaked out about that. But listen, I'm telling you, I've got to go away. I've got to go get this ready for you. Don't get worked up. I've got this place for you. And when you get there, listen, folks, there'll be no more pain. Is that not an awesome thought? No more pain. And I'm not just talking about that you hit your thumb with a hammer and that hurt. I, there's other kind of pain that's not hitting your hand with a hammer. That even is even more painful. What is it? The heartaches. The disappointments. The grief. And your thumb can heal after a while, right? But sometimes those pains just linger on. But here's what he's saying. I'm going to wipe away every tear. There'll be no more pain. No more sorrow. For those things have passed away. It's awesome. So I'm, I'm preparing this place for us. And so he, that's the promise. Look, that's what he's saying to you. Look, you hold on to that. No matter what goes on around you. You hold on to what I'm telling you. I find that a lot of Christians today have forgotten what's in front of them. They're so wrapped up in what's going on around them right now. They've lost perspective of what's ahead of them down the road. And it's what's down the road that gives you hope for today, right now. And sometimes we're like a people without hope. That's a big contradiction. Because we shouldn't be people without hope. We have hope. What is that? That one day Jesus will come back or one day we will go to be with him and when we go with him, there'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more hurt. It'll all be new. We will enter into the new creation with him and it'll be awesome. 
And yeah, it's rough right now, but this is only for what? The moment. So, of course, when he says these things, it draws some questions from his followers. And so, because the natural question that comes from, first of all, comes from Thomas. Look with me at verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? So, okay, God, Jesus, you're, you're telling us this is what you're going to do. You're going to go prepare a place for us, for us to, when we come to you. Well, we don't even know where you're going. For, how do we get there? So what we're going to see here in verses 5 and 6, Jesus responds in verse 6. He says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what we're going to see here is the only way. The only way. Two things I want you to see here. First of all, the natural question we have concerning concerns knowing how to get there. That's a natural question. I don't care if you believe in Christ or not. Everybody at some level, whether they believe in God or not, they always wonder what's it going to be like after they die. And how do I ensure that it gets there? And I've been around the world, folks. I have been in temples watching people do meaningless rituals that I would see as being meaningless rituals, all in an attempt to, what, deal with their stuff right now, hoping that it will ensure them a better future later on. And so the question of what do I need to do to make sure everything's okay, that's a natural question. How do I get there? Jesus comes along and he says, here's my second point I want you to see. He stresses that, excuse me, he proclaims that he is the only way to the Father that all men must take. He's the only way. You want to know how to get there? You want to know how to get there to where there's new creation, no more sorrow, no more pain? You want to know how to get there to have hope in the midst of it? There's only one way. It's through me, Jesus. That's it. Bottom line, period. Well, I don't like that, George. I like options. There are no options. God's not the option guy. It's kind of like being military boot camp. When you go to the mess hall. And my wife will tell you, I'm a picky eater, okay? So when you're in military, I remember no hair, sitting there in a uniform with my tray going up. And I want to say no vegetables. I don't like vegetables. But the guy behind the counter wearing his little white hat, he doesn't care because you can't say anything. So what does he do? Big scoop of green beans on your plate. Next thing over, coleslaw. All oh, this stuff I don't like. Then you come to the meat and he gives you your portion of meat. But I'd like four portions of that meat. This ain't no buffet. We want options. But I'm telling you folks, Get it? There are no options. There is only one option, Jesus. And that's what he's saying. Look, you want to come to the Father? You want to experience that blessing in his house? The only way to get there, Thomas, is me. I'm the only way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And see, that's the reality. So again, what, is, what does that got to do? You know what, here, here we are, we've got these expectations of God, and he's telling us, hold on, get our focus right. The way you keep your focus is to center on the reality that he's the only way. Do you understand? 
I've had many conversations with folks who they're facing eternity. Some of them have been dear, dear saints that we love, that I've loved. And, and there's always a common question. The common question, it's like, why, why are they asking this question? Well, because it's a real question. They'll, they'll say things, I'm ready to meet him. I hope that it's okay. Why, why would they say that? Because they know Christ, they're okay. Why? Because there's that question, are we going to make it? Yes, you just hold on. So that's what I tell them. Yes, you're going to make it. Your faith in Jesus will carry you through. It's carried you this far. You just keep trusting. You hold on. Th this is the reality. He is the way. You hold on to him. Those are natural questions, right? You hold on to him. So how do we know? So here's what he talks to. It's because you've got to know the Father. Because that brings up Philip. Well, you know, well, Jesus, here's what he says. Here's what Philip says. Look with me. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. It is sufficient for us. Well, you know, Jesus, you're going away. So show us who God is. Isn't that a natural question? I even ask those questions. God, I want to see you. I say that sometimes. I remember as a young man, new in Christ, I would pray, God, I want to see you. Here's how Jesus responds to that. He's going to talk about knowing the Father. Jesus is the way that we get to know God the Father. Bottom line. He says, Philip, Philip, come on, Philip. How long have I been with you? Three years. Philip, three years. Have you not realized that when you see me, you see the Father? Have, have you, and, and the reality of that, guys, do you not realize when you want to know, God, do you love me? How do I know that you love me? Look at Jesus. Would Jesus love you? Yeah, Jesus would love you. Then guess what? God the Father will love you. When you're sitting there, you're wondering, well, God, can you, can you forgive me for this? Yeah, you can know that God will forgive you for that. Why? Because you just look at Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Forgive. When you see the Father, you see Jesus. When you see Jesus, you see the Father. He's going to be with you. So, so the reality is, is here, so Jesus is the way. So next thing I want you to see, he stresses that everything he has been teaching comes from the Father. So Jesus is coming along, he says, look, so everything I've been telling you guys... It's from God, the Father. That, that, that's awesome. So you want to know, God, what do you want me to do? Look at what Jesus tells you to do. And by the way, didn't he just tell us? By this shall they know that you are my disciples, but that you what? Love one another. A new commandment I give unto you what? That you what? Love one another. Where did that come from? He's telling us right here. God, the Father. 
So finally, he tells us this. Look, he calls us to believe that he and the Father are one. Look with me at verse 11. Here's what it is. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. That's what he calls you to believe. The trust in him. Believe him. All right, so, okay, George, wow, wow. All right, I, I, so I, I can see what he's trying to tell the disciples so that they're not freaking out. What is there for me? It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Don't freak out. I guess, you know, I'm looking at everything that's going on, and am I bothered by it? Yeah, I'm bothered by it. I mean, who cannot be bothered by it? And, 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 and I'm looking at gas prices the way they are. Am I bothered by that? Yeah, I'm bothered by that. And I'm looking at inflation and looking at what the cost of food is, and I'm like, yeah, am I bothered by that? Yeah, I'm bothered by that. Am I freaking out? Well, it depends on what I'm trying to buy at the moment. And uh, yeah, okay. Um, but here's the thing. I don't need to. Why? Because I just need to remember. What do I need to remember? Well, guys, I'm old enough to have lived through the 70s. When they did gas rationing. And, and I remember mom and dad got us through that. God will get you through it. There's nothing new under the sun. Problems aren't new. They just come in different forms, right? So, so don't freak out. So what is he trying to say here? Put your trust not in anything here, but in one person who made you a big promise. I'm coming for you. You hold on. You trust me. Because when you see me, you see the Father. And guess what? I'm preparing a place for you. And when you get there, you're not going to have a temper tantrum anymore. You're not going to freak out. You're not going to worry. There will be no more pain, no more sorrow. I'll wipe away every tear. There's no more sea representing chaos. No more chaos in this world. You're going to be with me. I will be with you. If you go to Revelation chapter 21, it's an awesome chapter. We don't even have to turn on light switches anymore. Why? Because there will be no need for the sun or the moon. Why? Because he's there. We'll always have light with him. Why? Because it's going to be perfect. So trust me. And I'll get you through life now. Will it turn out the way you want it to? No, there's no guarantee in any of that. But then let's be honest. In the end, it won't matter, will it? Because you'll be with him. Something to think about. Let me pray for you.